good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Cody Cuff, Henny Cutter, Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victors. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanjahade. Hey, Buju relatives. This is Ogamaganuakwe from Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. I'm here uh, for the first segment. You'll have just me. Uh, We'll see and talk to uh, Robert Pilot and Wendy Pilot in the next couple of segments as they do a wonderful interview. Uh, But today we're just going to kick it off first thing with the news. So welcome relatives and uh, thank you for tuning in to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. I'm a Ganuakwe and my name means strong golden eagle woman and I'm a citizen of the Red Lake Nation in northern Minnesota and that is the topic of my first, uh, albeit vague, but a story nonetheless. Uh, Red Lake Action, uh, which is a group of uh, those who are working on the lake back issue of 1889, or the Treaty of 1889, rather, um, made an announcement uh, about three days ago stating that uh, the Red Lake Nation chairman, Daryl Secchi, and the state of, said in the state of the band of 20, for 2023 um, that the tribe is going to take action to get the rest of our lake back. Uh, which is going to be a developing story. Uh, So for those of you who don't know, uh, the Red Lake Nation in northern Minnesota uh, is on uh, Red Lake or near Red Lake. And uh, the Red Lake is actually split into uh, an upper and a lower lake. And if you're watching me online, I'm I'm gesturing to my sweatshirt. So there's upper and lower Red Lake. And uh, only half of the lake is technically within the bounds of the uh, Red Lake Nation. And in the original uh, 1889 treaty, uh, the entire lake was promised to the Red Lake Nation. And uh, there's been years and years of talk about uh, taking action to get the rest of the lake back. And uh, it's exciting to hear that there is... Um, going to be action on that from the tribal chairman. Uh, Lake Back, uh, which is a spinoff of Land Back uh, up in Red Lake, uh, started back in 2011. Um, and this is a really historical announcement uh, to hear the chairman talk about that in the state of the band. So I'm really excited about that as a Red Laker myself and excited for what that could mean for the future of other tribes who are uh, wanting to take land and water back uh, to care for. So um, speaking of Land Back, another really great organization that's working on Land Back in the Twin Cities is the Four Sisters Farmers Market, which is a product of the Native American Community Development Institute, which is the sponsor for this segment today. And uh, they're wondering if anybody would like to reserve a garden bed with the Four Sisters Urban Farm Space. So if you have an interest in growing your own vegetables or fruits in an indigenous community garden, garden and learning more about food sovereignty. Reserve a garden bed with the Four Sisters Urban Farm Space. They are going to be on a first come first served basis and they do have priorities. Priorities include residents of the East Phillips neighborhood, residents of the East Phillips neighborhood without access to other growing spaces and food insecure residents of East Phillips. If you would like to find out more, you can go over to NACD, that's N-A-C-D-I dot org slash Four Sisters Farm or click on the Four Sisters Farmers Market link at NACD.org. Really exciting that that is something that is available to the community um, in the East Phillips neighborhood and beyond. And, um, you know, we're going to take a minute here to to jump all the way across uh, Turtle Island uh, over into uh, California, into uh, Hollywood kind of area. Um, But it's not the same kind of story that you're thinking it might be. I'm not about to talk about reservation dogs, but I'm actually going to be talking about P-22, which is a mountain lion that prowled Griffith Park near Hollywood for about the last 10 years. Um, If you're not familiar uh, with P-22, P-22 was a mountain lion uh, that was named for the study uh, that he was a part of. Uh, P stands for Puma and 22 is the number um, that he was given. 
But this cat was really remarkable um, because it was born um, in a totally different part of uh, California. And it made, at some point in its life, it made a remarkable 50-mile journey that took him across the two Los Angeles major freeways and um, managed to evade traffic and human detection in that time. And then he found the wilderness of Griffith Park and set up his own range in that area at only eight square miles. To science, it's probably the smallest roaming territory of any known mountain lion. Typically, a male cat's territory is 150 square miles. Um, so he was caught on film at Griffith Park about 10 years ago and was fitted with a collar, and uh, they began to track his movements. Um, and anywhere else in the country, of course, uh, he probably would have just been another cat that the scientists were tracking, but he was in Los Angeles, so of course they made him famous. And uh, he was really well-loved uh, by the community there, and um, a lot of people knew about him, but he was so rarely seen. But unfortunately, um, he was very old. Uh, he was about 12 years old, and the difficult decision was made um, to euthanize him uh, recently. And uh, he received a private tribal uh, burial. Um, so the four local tribes in the area um, led the ceremony to honor this puma as a symbol of the wilderness still present in Southern California. And um, there was also a small group of officials from the organizations such as the National Park Service and the National Wildlife Federation that also attended his funeral. And um, he was buried most most likely in the same area where he was born and where there's other mountain lions that are still roaming. Um, but to protect P-22's remains, the location of the grave will not be disclosed and the sacred ceremony that was given to him will not be open, was not open to the public and was not recorded. Um, the tribal elder with the uh, Ferdinandio Tativium and uh, Vetcher, um, Venturino uh, Chumas tribe said he was a leader and a chief and um, they wanted to be as respectful as possible to such a magnificent animal. Um, those who were in in presence of that said that a red-tailed hawk wheeled overhead and called out several times. And tribal members performed traditional songs and uh, made offerings for the spirit of P-22. And, um, you know, it's a really dark contrast to, um, or stark contrast, excuse me, to, um, you know, what normally happens with these animals. Um, normally these animals, um, their bodies are disposed of when they're euthanized. Um, and the organizations that were studying P-22 had actually wanted to um, handle his remains for scientific research. Um, and the tribe stepped in to the California Department of Fish and Wildlife and the Los Angeles County National History Museum um, to make sure that the mountain lion's remains were um, not just simply discarded and uh, he was given a proper burial. And I think that that's something that's really important that we, you know, take a little time to talk about, um, you know, when we talk about respecting all of our relatives, that is some of the things that we talk about. And um, one last thing I want to touch on um, the environmental world is that the Biden administration uh, said today that they're approving the Willow Oil Project in Alaska's North Slope, um, which is a really controversial climate choice uh, from the Biden administration. Administration and has drawn a lot of uh, negative press uh, from environmentalists, uh, myself included. Um, Biden's Willow Plan allows three sites to be drilled, and ConocoPhillips would have about 219 total wells in that area. And there's a fourth drill site proposed for the project. Um, as well. And um, ConocoPhillips said it's going to relinquish rights to uh, about 68,000 acres of existing leases in the National Petroleum Reserve in Alaska. But uh, many climate activists, including myself, are outraged that Biden uh, is greenlighting the project because uh, it really goes against his uh, plan and campaign promise to stop oil, new oil drilling on public lands. So um, this is, uh, again, one of those things that uh, we talk about here on Native Roots Radio. Um, if you are looking for more information about it, um, you can check the hashtag Stop Willow campaigns on social media um, and, you know, see if there's some um, things that you can 
get involved with to uh, write to the Biden administration there. And we can talk a little bit more about this later in the week. So thanks for tuning in to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. We'll be right back with Robert and Wendy Pilot for some awesome interviews. And uh, stay tuned. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. If the statistics say that one in three Native women and one in six Native men have experienced sexual assault in their lifetime, it means our whole community is affected by sexual violence. One is too many. Don't stand by. Stand up. Don't engage in acts of sexual violence and shut down the dirty jokes, the gossip, the victim blaming and shaming. As a community, we can change the way we respond. Contact the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition to attend a workshop to learn more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Life after military service is different. Many veterans find transitioning difficult, feeling lost and uncertain about the future. These feelings don't take away from a veteran's strength, courage, or sense of duty. If you're a veteran in crisis or no one who is, the power of one person, one connection, one act of compassion can make a difference. For free 24-7 confidential support, call the Veterans Crisis Line at 1-800-273-8255 and press 1 or visit VeteransCrisisLine.net. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, honoring health and tradition. Hey, thanks, Wendy. Hey, we have an important election happening in our our neighboring state here. We're all over civic media, so... Mm It's our relatives in Wisconsin that's an uh, important, important election coming up. And uh, April 4th is when the election is, but there's early voting in March 21st. And we know, you and I know how much we like that. And we mm-hmm. got a, uh, we have a very important person here um, that's running for a Supreme Court a judge. And her name is Judge Janet Protasevich. And we are so happy to have you, Janet. And thank you. Uh, it's election time. And I know it's really important. Uh, your, your schedule is really important and you're still working as a judge. So thank you so much for uh, spending time with us here on Native Ritz Radio. Well, I'm delighted and honored to be here, quite frankly. So thank you so much for having me here this morning. Well, we want to get a like a little uh, like who who you are and uh, where you're from and what what you're doing and what got you to this point, uh, uh, Judge Janet. So do you mind uh, just uh, introducing yourself to our listening audience all over Turtle Island? Sure, I'm happy to. So my name is Janet Protasewitz. I'm a judge in Milwaukee County. <clears throat> I just wrapped up almost three years handling homicide and sexual assault cases. And now I'm doing family court cases. I would say it was about a year ago when I started thinking about this race, probably a little bit more than a year ago, and decided to get into this race because the stakes are so incredibly high. And everything that people care about in the state of Wisconsin is on the line. And everything that people care about in this state is going to be determined by who wins this seat on April 4th. And I have to be very careful when I talk to people Obviously, I haven't prejudged anything, Um, and whatever comes to our Wisconsin Supreme Court 
will be judged based on the law. All decisions will be rooted in the law and the Constitution. But I've been very clear with people about what my values are and what my values are in regard to, you know, a number of issues. You know, first of all, Wisconsin is amongst the most gerrymandered states in the country. And you think about that and you think about that in conjunction with a person's right to a representative democracy and their right to having their vote count. And, you know, the very gerrymandered maps have affected absolutely everybody in our state and have marginalized people's ability to have their vote count. And I've been very clear that my value is that everybody's vote should count. You know, we have women's rights issues. We have an 1849 abortion ban in the state of Wisconsin. And I think that it is critically important that people understand that my value is that I think a woman should have a right to choose and make those reproductive right decisions herself. So I anticipate that that issue will come before our Wisconsin Supreme Court. I can tell you that, you know, in contrast to my opponent, I can tell you with 100% certainty that if he is elected, that 1849 ban will stand. Then we have all sorts of other issues. You know, Wisconsin's a battleground state. And so let's talk about our 2024 presidential election. I would anticipate that the results of the 2024 presidential election will end up in front of our Supreme Court chamber, just as the results of our 2020 election did. And you may know that our election in the state of Wisconsin was really upheld by a four to three majority on our Supreme Court. And it's, you know, kind of frightening, quite frankly, to have come that close to not having our election votes count in Wisconsin. And, you know, there are conservation issues and, you know, LGBTQ marriage equality issues. There's just so many issues that likely to come before the Supreme Court makes it a very, very critical race. Yes. Yes. And that makes it really critical that you're on with us today. And we really appreciate it. I, I was wondering, too. So what is your background? Where 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 were you brought up and what college did you go to? Uh, I want to kind of play. I don't know. You're not old enough to remember this, but there used to be a show called This Is Your Life. So this is kind of this is your <laughs> life uh, uh, section here. What uh, uh, where'd you go to college? And, you know, what's your what's your background? So I was born and raised on the south side of Milwaukee to two, you know, very hardworking parents. Um, my mom was a teacher. Uh, my mother, my stepdad was a teacher. And they both worked really hard, instilled in me, you know, that you're going to work hard, you're going to get a good education, and you're going to get back to your community. You know, we were not raised with um, a lot of means. You know, we could have a meal on the table, but, you know, we had to work our way through school. And I went to UW-Milwaukee, worked my way through school, majored in history. Then I went to Marquette for law school. Excuse me. Excuse me. Um, Marquette was a really wonderful experience. Really taught me that I wanted to stay true to being rooted in my community. And that is exactly what I did. Worked for the district attorney's office for really a quarter of a century before I decided to run for judge. And I've been a judge in Milwaukee since 2014. And I can proudly tell people that the only clients that I have ever had are the people of the state of Wisconsin. And so I've worked very hard to protect families, protect victims, obviously, obviously the accused, making sure that their, um, you know, their constitutional rights are also upheld, but have worked very, very hard in our community to be fair and impartial and protect people. Yeah, that's awesome. We have uh, like some native issues here that we'd like to just touch base with you. Um, uh, you know, one of the things uh, I feel like is really important, and I think you do too, is that we, we talk about here a lot all over Turtle Island, and it's really come to the forefront about missing and murdered Indigenous uh, women and relatives. And um you know, those are things that aren't taught in school and are just coming up through the media and TikTok and, you know, uh, shows like ours. Um, right. Tell us a little bit about what, what you know about this and and, uh, and let our audience know. Well, you know, it's really frightening. And I'll just say this. <clears throat> I was on two Indian reservations yesterday. So the timing of your radio show um, couldn't be better. I was with the Menominee Nation. And then I was with the Oneida Nation, you know, talking to Native people about their thoughts 
and about their concerns. So, you know, the missing, murdered, and Indigenous women issue, you know, is very, very close to my heart. I believe it's a pandemic. Um, I believe that the movement to prevent it is not often taken seriously enough by investigators and law enforcement. I also know that we have very little data about these cases. And, you know, it's interesting because people I talk to are obviously extraordinarily concerned about the missing murdered Indigenous women issue. I can tell you that I am certainly, obviously, very concerned about it, and I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah, it, it's very important. It's really coming to the fair, uh, forefront. Mm-hmm. And I know um, we talk a lot, uh, especially with uh, here in Minnesota, and this show started uh, because of, uh, I don't want to say the word uprising, but the, the conflict with Standing Rock and all the misinformation and uh, the Dakotas about the pipelines and, and things like that. So, you know, how important is treaty rights? Because we know and we talk about here on the show a lot that treaties are the supreme law of the land. Um, how important and, uh, and and what is your feeling about uh, the treaties that have been signed over the hundreds of years? Well, I think that it's pretty obvious to me that the tribes are constantly having to defend their treaties. Um, Obviously, they are considered the law of the land. They are, you know, integral to your standing. It is very clear to me that the tribes have not been treated fairly over the years. I told um, both groups that I talked with yesterday, I was an American history major, and I took one entire class on Manifest Destiny. In Milwaukee, at UW-Milwaukee, there is a professor, and he's actually from England, and he has dedicated his entire career, quite frankly, to talking about the expansion of the West and Manifest Destiny and how that impacted the Native people. I have been well aware of these issues, you know, obviously, for decades, and I want you to know and I want your people and listeners to understand that I certainly have a recognition of the issues and I certainly um, am a listening ear um, for all of those issues as well. You know, I think, Wendy, it's really exciting that we're able to talk to candidates like this and and, and in a sense uh, vet them out. And uh, we really uh, appreciate this conversation. Absolutely. It's so important. You know, uh, we're going to take a break here in a, in a minute. And I just want to tell everybody we're here with uh, Judge Janet Protasevich. And she's running for a very important seat here in Wisconsin. And it's the Supreme Court. And it doesn't get any more important than that. And this discussion is going to keep on going here in the next segment. So you are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake. Stay with us. Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, but it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. We are your relatives. We are your relations. Brothers. Sisters. Sons. Daughters. And and some some of us are your grandchildren. We are your community. Historically, we held places of honor and respect. Because of the impact of colonization, some of us are rejected, thrown out from family, friends, and community, set up as targets for sexual violence, sex trafficked, humiliated, tortured, and murdered. Everybody has the right to be safe. We are your relatives. Remember, homophobia is not traditional. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. 
We are back, and we are looking at a pretty lopsided matchup, Jim. That's right, Ron. I mean, in one corner, we've got a 175-pound guy, and in the other, a 6,000-ton heavyweight train? Jim, this guy has no idea what he's getting himself into. It's no contest. Every day, people tempt fate and die trespassing on railroad tracks. See tracks. Think train. Hello, Minneapolis. Make sense. Make progress. Make a date. Make an appointment with me. Weeknights from 10 to midnight here on AM 950. Nightingale is your cozy, comfortable neighborhood restaurant in the Whittier neighborhood at 26th and Lindale. Nightingale has patio, dining room, and bar seating available. Plus, they still have takeout and delivery. Their menu has lots of delicious options like the famous Nightingale burger and fries, ginger tamari chicken wings, smoked chicken liver pate, and more. They're open from 5 p.m. to 1 a.m. daily with their full menu until midnight. So make the friendly neighborhood Nightingale your go-to restaurant in South Minneapolis. Place an order, make a reservation, and more at NightingaleMPLS.com. Turn to Auto Technical with your vehicle donation. We have families waiting for a car. You know, over 85% of unemployed are successful in finding and keeping a job if they have dependable transportation. A car plus a job equals a life changed. 612-919-5526. We have families waiting for a car. 919-5526 or autotech.org. Do you have a car you no longer need but don't want to jump through all the hoops to sell yourself? Rudy Luther Toyota can help with their We Buy program. It's really simple. Go to RudyLutherToyota.com, click on the We Buy link, type in some basic information, and Rudy Luther will get you an instant and accurate offer. Then set an appointment, and after a quick verification of the vehicle, Rudy Luther will set you up with your payment with a check on the spot in most cases. We Buy, it's that simple. For more details or to sell your vehicle, head to RudyLutherToyota.com. That's RudyLutherToyota.com. Think your company's safe? Your staff is working from home, right? As I speak, cyber criminals are mounting attacks across the country. Remember, when we're weakest, cyber criminals attack. Hi, Mark Sommerfeld from Rymark. The Rymark team is guiding our clients through these difficult times. In fact, demand has been so high, we created an easy-to-follow guide. It's yours free. Download our five steps to securely work from home now at rymarkit.com or call 651-328-8900 for a no-cost how-to discussion. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Partly cloudy tonight with a low of 10, then sunshine on Tuesday with a high around freezing. The Electric Fetus is having a pre-inventory store-wide sale now through Sunday. Take 20% off almost everything in the store. The Electric Fetus is located at 2000 South 4th Avenue in Minneapolis. More information at electricfetus.com. This is uh, Leonard Peltier. I am in uh, Coleman 1. U.S. Penitentiary, and I'm listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake and Listen to Robert Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Hey, Wendy, this is a really uh, important show. Not that they all aren't, but this is super important. <laughs> and it's And we're working on um, how uh, well we did in school and how we can figure out how the mm-hmm. uh, Supreme Court fits into our daily life. Government is very, very complicated. <laughs> right, exactly. Hey, we're here with a uh, candidate, uh, Judge Janet Protasevich, and she is running for the Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin. And uh, welcome back. And let's just talk about a little bit about how important this uh, election is, Janet. And again, thanks for staying with us. Oh, thank you so much. So this this election is going to really determine the makeup of our Supreme Court. So by a little way of background, there are seven seats in our Wisconsin Supreme Court. Right now, three of those seats are held by people who uphold the law and follow the law and uphold the Constitution. Those are Justices Ann Walsh Bradley and Karofsky and Dallet. And then we have extremists on the other side. 
I would say that we have the opportunity of a lifetime because one of those four seats is opening up and that's what this election is all about. It's giving us an incredible, incredible opportunity to shift the balance on the court to four justices who are going to do just that, bring change to our Supreme Court, bring common sense to our Supreme Court, get away from the extreme partisanship. And, you know, people are going to be able to feel like they go into court with an independent Supreme Court and there's not a thumb on the scale against them. So I think that that is, you know, critically important and the stakes couldn't be higher. So, you know, we've got some of the issues that we've talked about, but then you put those issues in conjunction with the opportunity to shift the balance of power on our court. And the race um, is so critically important. I can't even overstate how important it is. And I suspect that that is why we are getting so much attention from across the country about this race. Yeah, it is. And, you know, our democracy and, uh, you know, the the people, the things that you brought up in the first segment, just about the rights that are slowly being eroded that have been around, uh, you know, for us for hundreds or not hundreds, but 50 years, like Roe versus Wade, um, they're, the percentage of the people in this country are upset and um, came out and voted. So I, I, we always talk about this is the most important election, but mm-hmm. they all are. And we we got to stop talking that way. They're all important. Right, Wen? Yeah, and it's important for regular citizens like you and I, Robert, to get involved in politics. I always say it, you know, get to know your city council member, your house representative and the senator in your area that that uh, represent you and get involved in important issues. Well, we, we have an election coming up uh, April 4th and you can start uh, in person. Uh, early voting begins uh, April 20 or March 21st. And um, this is a very important election. So Judge Janet, can you help us um, tell us what the, what the pecking order of line of order that the Supreme court uh, comes into play for maybe a normal or regular citizen or a lawsuit or how, how does that work? And uh, it's been a long time since I've been in high school. <laughs> okay. So here, here's generally how it works. I'm a judge in the circuit court right now. So every case that's filed in Milwaukee County and we have 47 branches is heard by one of the judges in Milwaukee County. So a case comes in front of me, say a homicide case comes in front of me, and I handle the case from beginning to end. At the end of that case, a party can appeal it, and they would appeal it to the Court of Appeals. The Court of Appeals in Wisconsin takes every single case that is appealed. They have to. That's their job. They're really an error-correcting court. And what they do is they say, oh, she got it right, or she got it wrong, or she got part of it right, Um, or she got part of it wrong, we're going to affirm it, we're going to reverse it, or we're going to send it back and say, go fix it, right? That's what the Court of Appeals does. They're an error-correcting court. Then our highest court of the land is our Wisconsin Supreme Court. And what happens at our Supreme Court are, you know, disputes are brought, but they are not all accepted by the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court selects the cases that they believe will have the most impact Um, the people of the state of Wisconsin, combined with the fact as to whether or not it's really a, you know, new, novel, cutting-edge legal issue. And then the state um, Supreme Court would hear that case based on, you know, there'd be briefing, there'd be oral arguments, and then the court would render a decision. So it's very different from the circuit court, which handles every single case, and all decisions are based on the law to the next level, which is the Court of Appeals, which is the error-correcting court, to our state Supreme Court, which really develops the common law for this state. Wow, that was good. Do you have any yes, questions? Yes, you know what? I learned something every time we talk to, uh, when we talk about the law and the government and the branches and how a bill is passed and a whole bunch of stuff. So it's great. One thing, uh, Judge, uh, Judge Janet, I just want to like uh, give a shout out to our, our Gen Zs because this last uh, election cycle, uh, they outnumbered uh, Wendy and I, our boomers, and they outnumbered us for the first time ever. And um, they're seeing what's going on. They don't have the same uh, perspective as a lot of people do. They're really 
um, they're first generation. That's not going to live as long. They're not, it's going to be harder to get a house. There are all these things. So it's great to see, but we also want to talk about how important every election is and that, you know, if we're sick and tired of being sick and tired, we outnumber them. We just have to stay engaged and, uh, and know how important these, 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 these uh, elections are. 100%. And, you know, you hear so much from, you know, people who are campaigning and talking about races that their race is the most important race. And so, you know, you hear that. And I think people get tired of hearing that and they don't necessarily know when the stakes are as high as they are. This race, I can tell you, is that most important race. It's going to shape what happens in the state of Wisconsin for many, many years to come. And those concerns and issues that we talked about are going to be coming before this Supreme Court. You know, a woman's right to choose. Um, you know, our presidential election results Maybe a fresh look at the gerrymandering and the maps, conservation issues, you know, marriage equality issues, so many issues that I would anticipate will come before this court. And so this is the big one. This is critical. Right. When you talk about gerrymandering, I, I think in the last, uh, what, the year ago when this last election cycle was happening here uh, nationally, they talked about something like uh, Republicans only have to come out and be 40 percent of uh, of the vote. And then but the Democrats to switch anything almost have to be 60 percent of the vote. Do you, do you kind of know what I'm talking about there? Because I'm bringing in some uh, numbers that I'm not. 100% sure on, but there's something like that, that we have to vote more in order to change things, meaning the Democrats? Well, the Democrats have some, certainly some roadblocks built against them, and here's why. You know, Wisconsin's a battleground state. No matter how you look at it, no matter what you think, no matter what side you're on, we're a battleground state. We have very, very close statewide elections. So given the fact that we have very close statewide elections, you'd kind of think the makeup of our state legislature would be about 50-50, right? right. <laughs> you'd kind of think that the makeup of the number of people that we sent to the House of Representatives would be 50-50. You'd kind of think that. But instead, you look at the eight uh, members of the House of Representatives that we have. Two are blue, six are red. You look at our state assembly and our state senate and about 65 percent are red 35 percent are blue and you say you know to any rational person how can that be fair right how can that possibly possibly be fair when we have such a battleground state shouldn't it be closer to 50 50 and then when things are closer to 50 50 you have the ability for people to you know get a little closer to the middle and work together and be less extreme so, you know, I think that the gerrymandering has, you know, numerous issues attendant to it. Yeah. Wow. Hey, we're here with uh, Judge Janet uh, Protasevich, and she's running for a Supreme Court in Wisconsin. Uh, Judge Janet, can you give our, our audience uh, uh, how we can support you, uh, a website, a Facebook, uh, how we can donate to your uh, cause and basically our cause? <laughs> Take a look at JanetForJustice.com. The website's JanetForJustice.com. Talks about ways people can get involved and ways people can volunteer, let you add your name to the endorsement list. You know, there are so many things that people can do. And what I've been telling people, for me, the most critical thing is to get that vote out on April 4th. You know, we cannot pick our foot off the pedal. We have to run right through that finish line. The most critical, critical thing that we can do is make sure that we're getting that vote out. And that is what is so important. So, you know, the early voting on March 21st, the absentee voting, any way that people can get themselves and their friends to the polls is the way that we are going to, you know, come to victory on April 4th and bring Wisconsin back to the great progressive state that it once was. Yes, it was. It definitely was. I, I lived in Madison for a short time and uh, I love, uh, I love, I love, we love Madison, don't mm -hmm. we, Wendy? Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> love it. And, you know, just to remind everyone, too, that you can bring your uh, tribal ID and also an ID or a uh, 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 proof of residence. And so we got uh, about a minute left, Judge Janet. Uh, that's uh, here your best spun, uh, uh, 
Stump speech. That was hard for me to say. Stump speech. (laughs) (laughs) My best stump speech is every single thing that you care about is on the line with this race. Every single thing. You know, and like we talked about before, before, everything about saving our democracy is on the line. And we have the opportunity to do just that. If we get out to the polls, we have the opportunity to do just that because we can shift the balance on our Supreme Court from a four to three majority of extreme partisans to a four to three majority of people who are going to follow the law and uphold our Constitution. Wow. Well said. Perfect. This has been an amazing uh, interview, Wendy. Mm -hmm. Thank you, uh, Judge Janet Protasevich. You don't know how hard I've been working on your name over the last (laughs) days. Uh, You did great. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Hey, Wow, great. We're going to put this on the best of, too, Wendy. This Mm -hmm. has been an amazing uh, interview. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're very busy, but it's very important for us to to hear the truth and speak to you. Thank you so, so much for coming on. Thank you so much. It was delightful. Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, but it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. While I'm pregnant, I can keep our baby safe by not drinking, smoking, or using drugs. But how are we going to keep her safe after she's born? When I grow up, I look forward to dancing in powwows, going to college, and being successful. But I don't want to be one of three American Indian women to be raped or sexually assaulted in her lifetime. As relatives and friends of Native women, it is our responsibility to stand up and speak out for every woman's right to be safe in her home and the community. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States. And 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's Let's live live and and let howl. Hi, this is Representative Sharice Davids from Kansas. I'm Ho-Chunk, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot. Hey, welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Oh! Oh! Well, that was a lively howl, Wendy. Yeah, I know. Hey, I want to introduce my awesome and beautiful wife, Wendy. Wendy has been an animal advocate for many years, and we discuss here in the last almost seven years on Native Roots Radio our sacred animals uh, segment, which are our relatives in a native way. So uh, always appreciate it. Always learning. Thank you, Wendy, and welcome. Yes. Hi, everybody. My name is Hanaji Hihani, and that means cares for them. I was given that name by my Dega Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the uh, local and state level, and it's always my pleasure to do that. So I love talking about our sacred animals, and I have been seeing so many uh, articles 
I'm reading articles and I have Facebook uh, pop-ups here on this uh, wildlife cams, Robert. You know, the cams that are set up uh, all over the wild and we get <laughs> to see these beautiful wild animals in their natural habitat. Right. You, you know, you, doing their normal everyday um, house cleaning, house cleaning, clean, <laughs> everything. And I love these cams because they don't really disturb the way these animals uh, are living. Yeah. So I'm with, I've been watching one of the cams. It's the Big Bear Lake <laughs> cam, uh, Friends oh. of the Big Bear. And uh, the Big Bear Lake is uh, in San, San Bernardino. Ooh. Bernardino no, that was good. Uh, County, California. And what this cam is watching is two eagles. So mm -hmm. these two eagles uh, named Jackie and Shadow. And as I talked about before on the show, eagles mate for life. So these no. two have been a been together for quite some time. Yeah. Yes. And over the years, they have had many, um, laid many eggs and have hatched uh, many eaglets. Uh, but unfortunately, sometimes the eggs just don't hatch for oh. whatever reason. You know, it does, it, nobody really knows exactly what it is. It could be that that was really bad weather or that, you know, the eggs were left you know, without warmth for a little while. It could be a whole bunch of different things. Right. So if you'd like to go on uh, the Friends of Big Bear Lake and watch the cam, it's really unbelievable. But there's people watching these two eagles, uh, Jackie and Shadow. And it's kind of a sad story that this year, they ha they had eggs and they were in the nest and Jackie and Shadow were taking turns taking care of the the eggs and incubating them and sitting on them and while the other one goes hunting and this and that and this is seen in the wild all the time with eagles that they share the parental responsibilities which is really awesome uh, but two days ago the cam showed that um, the they both had left the nest. Jackie and Shadow have had left the nest. Oh. Yeah, because I think uh, Jackie, who's the female, realized that the eggs were not going to hatch. I guess she could figure out, like, by sitting them, if there's any movement inside them. And she knew that they were not going to hatch. Uh, so they both left the, the nest. And the reason why she left the nest is so that um, other birds could come. Ravens came and and ate the eggs and cleaned out the and cleaned out the nest. But what happened was Shadow really. They said like he wasn't really uh, didn't really know or understand what was happening. So when Shadow went back to the nest and didn't see the eggs, he was really uh, astonished. And you could kind of see his reaction on the cam that he is very surprised and he is like looking for these eggs that were, were, were there, you know, every day. And what they did was they um, saw him every day come to the nest and he would clean the nest and he would adjust the sticks around the nest and fix everything nice. And he would spend hours doing that every day while he took care and, you know, took care of these these eggs. But when he came back and did not see the eggs, again, he was very surprised and you could see him looking around and, you know, seemingly very surprised, like, what the heck, what happened to the eggs? And he didn't clean the nest at all. He didn't do his, you, you know, usual stick uh, wow. ritual. Um, and then uh, it says here that the people who were, you know, watching these eagles and really keeping an eye on them noticed that Jackie was over in a tree and Shadow flew over uh, to the tree, but didn't sit next to Jackie. He he sat, you know, in another branch, but then she came over to him and it looked like, um, you know, she was comforting him because he seemed very upset about it and that it seemed to them that Jackie was able to, you know, process the loss of her eggs and that, um, you know, she was able to accept it where Shadow, the male, really took it very, very hard. Um, but the good news is, Robert, is that um, there was just uh, somebody just saw them 
just the other day mate again. Wow. So uh, they're not really sure whether it's time, uh, the timing is right, and whether they could have fertilized eggs and hatch in time, um, you know, before all the snow and everything leaves. But uh, we're going to keep our fingers crossed and see. But there's always next season. Right. And again, you know, these animals, they mate for life and they have feelings and they have emotions and they, you know, visibly show um, their emotions. You know, so Shadow is vi visibly um, shaken by this. Wow. Yeah. There's an article also in the Sacramento Bee, uh, and that is dated March 9th. It's written by Helena Wagner, and you could read about that. Or you could go again to this Big Bear Lake uh, Friends and, and watch the cam. It's really beautiful. I mean, this nest, the size of this nest is just unbelievable. It's really high up in this tree, and it overlooks the Big Bear Lake, which is just beautiful. I mean, the scenery is just beautiful. But it got me thinking, you know, these animals, and we've witnessed it, Robert, over the years. Um, even our dogs that right. we have, just recently we have one dog, Gracie, who's been pretty sick. Yeah. Uh, you know, she's on medication, and she's she's doing okay. Um, but we notice we could notice that Wanda, our other dog, mm -hmm. is um, upset about it. And right. I even called the vet about it because Wanda has been shaking or like quivering every now and then. You would just see her quivering. And right. I was worried that she might be in pain because she tore her ACL, yeah. right? She tore her ACL. Yeah. So the vet said she wasn't in any pain and she is on light pain medications for her arthritis. But in any case... You know, I called the vet and I just said, I think Wanda might be in pain. So he like went through all these things. Um, you know, if you lift her leg, does she do this? Do you right. lift her head? Does she do this? No, she's not in any pain. We realize that. And then he said, is there anything stressful going on in the house? And I said, well, you know what? I'm glad you asked me that because I think that she's upset about Gracie. And he said to me, you know what, that happens all the time, oh. where pets uh, have a housemate that they really care about, and they can sense when something is wrong. Um, and they're, oh. he, and he said, she might just be upset about Gracie. Yeah, I mean, isn't that something like these little beings, uh, like you call them little beings? Well, I know, like, uh, uh, Gracie used to sit with our cats that were sick and mm -hmm. comfort them, yeah. and she sensed that too. So she that's did. that's crazy. That's that, right. That uh, it's reversed, and you know when I when we got those three, two of them we had to get together because uh, you know we we got these. Uh, they're a bonded pair, right? Yeah, and they're it bonded. Was so, we did not know that until we witnessed it, that mm -hmm. how much they both loved hanging out with each other. And Wanda would teach Gracie what's going on. But, hey, Wendy, thank you so much again for our sacred animals, our relatives, our family. Really appreciate talking about it. You've been listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake. We're still here. We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier. Now. <laughs>